Welcome to Partner Ops Partner. This is another part of the new format for me for 2024. And this week, we are shifting focus. Last week, it was Partner Ops. Week before that, we had Partner Tech. This week, it's Partner Leaders. It's people actually building, managing program, running programs. And I'm very excited this week to welcome Lincoln Accent from Eris Consulting. Lincoln, thanks so much for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. It was pretty short notice as well. So thanks for jumping in. Jay Woods, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. No worries. Um, I want to say this too, uh, folks, if you're listening on the podcast, there's also a YouTube. So I've got a new YouTube channel. I'm trying to put these on YouTube. All it is, is just looking at me and Lincoln staring at cameras, trying to pretend like we're staring at each other. So, uh, but if you like the visual, please feel free to go look at that on YouTube. Um, and Lincoln, for your part, I know that if you've, and we've talked about like, we're using a platform called Squadcast. Um, if you see your video struggle with that, don't worry about the quality that'll get uploaded on your end and then it'll look fine on the back end. So if you see me go blurry too, don't worry about it. Again, audio listeners, you don't care about any of that. Lincoln, thank you for joining me today. So for context, tell us real quick about my audience. And my audience is predominantly, and I'm trying to grow more toward partner operations professionals. So people that work in partner ops, people that work in channel ops, give me like a two minute bio. What do you do? What's your focus? Where do you work in partnerships? What's your drive? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for having me, first and foremost. It's lovely to be here. Um, yeah. So uh, I've been running a, a program recently uh, for the last two and a half to three years uh, for a uh, SaaS company here in the fintech space in the UK. Uh, we predominantly are an ISV um, and we uh, are partner-led business. Um, we have roughly 40 to 50 um, active partners that have driven us about 3,000 accounts in the last three years. And we drive about 70% of all our commercial revenue through the company via our partner channels. Okay. But for your particular focus, that's the whole program, right? Um, if I go to like your profile, you've got ISV, like all over your language, all over your work. Is that network that you just mentioned, is that all ISV partners? Uh, predominantly it is, yeah. I mean, what, what we are, because we're in the fintech space, um, we deal with uh, financial transactions. So we, we're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And so that essentially means that we are looking at um, uh, in-person transactions and online transactions. So we either have, uh, we have our own payment gateway um, of which we then integrate uh, to various ISVs and um, uh, vendors uh, and consumers and clients and customers. Uh, and then we have our front-facing physical uh, current present payments uh, as well, which involves integration with joint venture uh, customers, clients, and partners. Gotcha. So real quick for, for my audience too, something I just talked to another partner leader about this yesterday. She was in the marketing space. The, the concept of like partner breakdowns, right? Like ISVs versus OEMs. Like to me, there's still a lot of mismanagement in terms of definition. We don't really have standards, right? What one person means by ISV may not be the same thing as someone else. Tell us from your perspective, like define an ISV for my audience for what you do. Um, what does the acronym mean? Then what does that look like in terms of real real realization, I guess, within the program. Yeah, no, absolutely. So ISV stands for um, independent software vendor. Um, so essentially what that means okay. is we develop market uh, and sell software solutions uh, that run hardware systems uh, or hardware solutions. Um, we, we mainly uh, sell through the partner market channel as joint ventures or resellers. Um, uh, uh, by mm -hmm. creating or developing uh, a joint venture initiative or solution uh, that fills a feature gap 
um, within that uh, mm -hmm. space, or we um, simply promote each other's solutions um, via that partner network um, on various degrees uh, of incentive programs uh, through the, the gotcha. Yeah. Does your um, I guess this is another question too. So if you have an ISV, you can have an ISV. So they need access to like from in terms of operations. You mentioned also reseller. Is it really, really common in your network, like the, in this network where you're at right now? And I know that you're you're launching um, your own thing here really soon. Very excited for you about that, too. When you talk about ISV, do you see a lot of overlap between programs? Are people often going to be an ISV by default in fintech and then also enter into the reseller space? Like, are they carrying that dual program engagement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's almost standard across the board. I mean, what um, ISVs um, traditionally do within the space is um, gives you maximised visibility amongst your competitors. You know, um, if 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 you are especially pushing a joint venture, um, that creates that um, increased value proposition yep. um, for for a client. Um, then, yeah, it's an absolute no-brainer. We currently work with um, Sharp, for example, as the hardware. Um, piece of the puzzle to our software solution. Um, so we package that up um, to uh, clients uh, to create uh, a much, much more over, um, a much more comprehensive package uh, to them, uh, where instead of going to two or three different um, vendors, they can come to one vendor. Uh, and essentially, then uh, we, we sell on joint venture or resell through uh, that partner, uh, which is Sharp. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it gives you massive visibility amongst your competitors. It's a competitive market out there, as you said, especially in the ISV space. So, um, one yeah. of the most differentiators you can have is actually partner up with, especially enterprise level and tier one, uh, level businesses, uh, that can really boost and bolster, uh, your brand identity. Um, so long as you do a good job, the reputation improves, ROI improves rep and, um, yeah, and that's how we grow in our scalable motion. So when you talk about ISV2, I think one thing that I, I'll say this for my own personal, I've been in software for most of my career. Um, I have to caveat a couple of years I spent as an insurance adjuster for whatever reason. Um, really interesting job. <laughs> but when I talk about ISV2, I, I think one thing that's confusing for me, at least when I talk internally, right? I work in the operations side. So for me, CRM utilization, can you see these things in the, in the account? Do we have a good breakdown? It feels like oftentimes the, the concept of an ISV and that program level engagement versus being a reseller or something else, that there's a little bit of confusion internally. Do you find that it is often important for people to really understand what an ISV is like as a program separate from other programs in order to be able to work with, engage and resell? Or is that maybe less important for your internals, more important operationally or just for you from a performance standpoint? Or am I maybe even way off base on thinking about this as an issue at all? Yeah, no, I'm serious. You're talking very granular, um, which yes, absolutely. You know, then there needs, yeah. To, yeah, there needs to be, there needs to be that definition, hundred percent. Um, uh, um, uh, when it, when you come to internally, um, yes, it really depends on your structure. I mean, where we work with ultimately hard uh, system, soft systems, and informatic information systems uh, are, are the main things. So essentially, things. Mm -hmm. Actions and ideas and information—they're they're the main three things that we work with. So they have to be very clearly identified and how they correlate um, internally to potentially, you know, um, other uh, partners or information systems or whoever we're working with. Um, so that you know there is a real focus and drive towards 
um, the end goal. I mean, our, our end goal as a company, um, obviously, is is we're customer centric. We're you know partner program or not sales rev. Um, you know, customer success, A and E, marketing, whoever it may be, um, that sole focus on is on providing value to the client and the, and the customer. So, um, if it doesn't, uh, if it's not an end of itself in fulfilling that uh, role and and that um, uh, sort of scalable motion, then yeah, it, it, we then have to make sure that we refocus on what we're trying to do and making sure that everybody else recognizes what we're trying to do, how we're trying to do it, um, and uh, yeah, and and then pushing that scalable motion forward through each of those channels so you just said something i think is really important because you use the word that we hear used a lot like the word scale scalable scalable solutions scalable programs scalable growth we all want scale um if i look back at like what's happened the past three years in technology i think our problem right now where we see a lot of partner talent being laid off we see programs being cut the tech layoffs in general beyond partnerships have been really brutal the past couple of years. And in my opinion, that's a direct result of companies not being ready to scale when the pandemic hit and demand, right, right, just showed up. In my opinion, being ready to scale happens before demand. If demand shows up and you can't keep up, that's a, that's a scaling problem. And companies talk about scalability, but I don't know and don't feel confident that we often build toward truly scalable solutions. So when you say scale, and we're talking about ISVs, and clearly those ISVs are dipping into the reseller program, what are some of the common operational challenges that you face from an ISV perspective? If I'm in partner ops and I've got a broader focus myself, some folks are rev ops focused. Mm-hmm. What do partner ops professionals need to be looking out for to know how to help you as an ISV manager or to help our ISV programs be successful? Who are we engaging with? What are the challenges? What, what can we help drive internally for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I call partner ops a unity engine. You know, they're the they're the thing that drives you know that um, that unity through delivering a great PX along with customer success, obviously. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, there's challenges because you are dealing with hardware and software. We probably find the most challenges in in the hardware space because you're dealing essentially uh, with a thing again, you know, with a hard system. Um, um, soft, mm-hmm. not so much because they're quite dependable. The systems dependent. Um, so you know they're 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 quite um, they're easily actionable, especially when you do have an issue. But you know operational challenges um, um, can be many, um, or they can be few. I think that really depends on your structure and structure follows strategy. And you know um, it depends on your your strategy. And if you've got a good strategy, then you find the operational challenges are a lot less. I mean the things that we do see is hardware disruption. Um, uh, which uh, we actually, uh, or many companies as well, use third-party suppliers for hardware um, uh, uh, tools and and, uh, and and the kit that they need to, to run their business. Um, supplier disruption, not so much. I mean, we don't get that, you know, that's not really a massive issue, but it's definitely something that if uh, did come to a head, we would um, mm. be calling on the partner ops to, to um, help uh, deal with. Um, you know, managing partner churn is probably another one. I think partner ops plays such a major role in that um, uh, possibility. I always describe partnerships as a leaky bucket. Um, you know, they, they you, you really have to try to plug as many holes as you possibly uh, can. Um, if you've got good systems in place, then it's not so bad, but it is. it can be a leaky bucket at the best time. And managing partner PX as well, you know, they're very much part of the partner experience, even though they might be a, what's utilized or seen as a back-end um, uh, support network. I keep them very front and center in, in the operation of what we're trying to achieve. 
achieve an absolutely huge um, as that as that engine room of the uh, the partnership program uh, and the success of that program. Yeah. So you mentioned you said said several things there, and I'm I'm um, I'm gonna try to recap some of what you said just to make sure I'm following along for you. Um, one thing you said I think that I really like, and I see this reflected often, is that uh, structure follows strategy. Um, I like the mindset. I think I said what you're saying is right. The structure of what you need to build, it made the direction you need to take, the projects you bring on, all of that's going to be kind of dependent upon your partner strategy in terms of prioritization, making sure capacity is lined out, and what projects kind of come first, second, and third. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, good deal. So on that sense, though, one challenge I push back on is that I have often found operationally structure might follow strategy, but ops gets pulled in late. So decisions are made, strategy is set. And then uh, even to the point of like, and I wrote about this maybe last week, even to the point of like, hey, we've made a big announcement. We've made a huge programmatic change, but we haven't done any technical validation to make sure we can achieve that goal. And that's okay, right? We can come back and validate that. But if you make those big announcements along with, uh, and here's when it's going to happen, how can we as partner operations people stay close to the rhythm of that strategy? Because I, I don't think we're always included. How does a partner operations professional who is trying to get more visibility, how do we stand out? What, what can we be doing from our end to help drive better outcomes when it's not uncommon for us to be excluded from the strategy side? Mm. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I mean, when you're dealing with a, a partnership ecosystem in the in the SaaS space, especially, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of different um, parties, and that can be just in like in respect to the internal parties that you have to deal with. So, you know, you've got your developers, you've got your consultants, your ISVs, your device and hardware, your VARs, your distributors, your cloud MSP system integrators, incubators, accelerators. It could be you know a bunch of people that you're already dealing with. Um, what we advocate um, uh, within my org at the moment is that the um, operations is kept front and center of um, the partner program. They, uh, we have daily meetings uh, with partner operations and we have a weekly or team okay. meeting um, with uh, operations uh, as well who, who are a part of that. So they very much have a seat at the table. Um, we make sure that you know we uh, are all using that sort of we grow, you grow mentality where we're keeping, you know, again, the, the, the customer value at the forefront of everything that we do. And everybody is involved in that. There's not one person who doesn't, who isn't involved in increasing that end client value proposition. Um, and uh, again, partner ops is part of that. Um, yeah, I think comms cadence is, is, a, is a big one. Um, I think especially for uh, operations to help mm. uh, decrease or minimize that maximum risk of something of an oversight. Um, especially when it comes operationally. Um, operations permeates throughout most of the partner program journey, and that's why you know they, they're placed mm -hmm. first and foremost um, at uh, the beginning, um, so that you know that that Unity engine that I speak about um, is functioning correctly. Um, so yeah, I think you know comms cadence really important. You know feedback loops. Um, you know preferred comms is also a really big one. You know we have to communicate at the right time to the right people in the right way 
at the right time for the right reason. Um, and I think partner ops, that's even more important because they're dealing with so many different um, external and internal uh, influences that um, it's vitally important to, to keep um, that structure uh, that we've talked about um, first and foremost mm -hmm. in place and, and communicating between everyone involved, but also being flexible enough to allow the changes that happen in all operations roles um, to be able to be um, have enough of a buffer um, zone to be able to pivot when need to, um, to make sure that we're maintaining that mm -hmm. client um, value proposition in the best way possible. Uh, you hit him several things there too. And, and sorry, you just got me thinking about lots of things. So earlier this week, uh, Jen Waltz, who's the VP of partnerships at Cron, made a post about organizational structure. Um, I, I, don't, I haven't had a chance to chat with Jen one-to-one -one yet. Uh, she has agreed to come join me on the podcast. And so we're going to go, I'm going to go deep with her on this topic because it's got me thinking all week and everything that you just talked about also has me thinking about the organizational structure. It's, uh, it's visible, you know, when I think about all the roles that I've had and I frankly had too many. Um, if you look at my work history, it's the layoffs, it's everything else, right? Um, so the benefit of seeing lots of organizations as I've seen lots of structures, um, it, it also is difficult because the thing I have to fight coming in from partner operations is great. I know who my leaders are, right? I'm in a unique slot in that right now I work at a company where I'm in a program role over operations. I'm not in an operations seat. So I don't roll up to the RevOps team. I'm not rolling up to the central operations, anything like that. Um, I have worked on RevOps teams. I have been a part of partner teams in the past. So I've been a part of a lot of different structures. When you talk about partner operations, like where you're at, and also if you think about like consulting and going forward, like if you go to companies, I imagine you will occur, you'll, you'll encounter lots of companies all over the place. One thing I've told people who've told me before, like, Aaron, you should really be consulting. I'm like, I appreciate that. That feels like a nice compliment, but nobody pays for partner operations. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard enough to get people to pay for partnership consulting. Mm -hmm. When you're going into an organization, both where you're at now and when you get into consulting, where would you put partner operations? Where does this role tend to live within the organization? Why do you want to put it there? Things like that. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Um, yes, I think you're right. I think that's unfortunately quite systemic throughout um, uh, C-suite leadership and leadership executive teams that when they first think of partnerships or they have a legacy partnership program that they're running that they might want to optimize, um, mm -hmm. where, where do I go first? Where's my first um, port of call? You know, um, do, we, do we need that? Um, you know, laying the foundations, mapping the levers, joining the dots and laying the, the, the pipeline that a, 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 a experienced partner professional can do for us, maybe even fractionally, um, yeah. to make sure that that's, those structures are in place that we've spoken about. Um, or do we, we need uh, somebody that actually can run the structure that we, that we hang the partner framework uh, on? To, to, to be successful to generate that end client value proposition. Um, I would say, you know, you need the partner manager, obviously, to run a partnership program. Partner ops, in my uh, opinion, comes second. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, you, you've got, essentially, you're um, talking about a promise and a delivery. So the partnership managers there, mm -hmm. they're promising 
this is what we're going to do for you. This is how we're going to do it. This is the structure. And, and here's our tangible ROI driven by metrics and data speaking the language of leadership. But the delivery of it is a completely different um, ballgame. So the, that's what I see between essentially those two. And those two have to meet up in the middle to create that value proposition um, successfully. Um, to be able to run that uh, that engine room um, of the partner, which essentially mm -hmm. is the promise of the partner program and what it will deliver, and the delivery of that promise, um, yeah. that essentially then ends up being the partner experience and the customer experience that drives that value proposition. So I think what's important to call out, I want to make sure this was very clear in case it was an audio break or anything else, you are saying partner leader second hire partner ops maybe not somebody dedicated to ops but you need a, you need an operator to join you to help execute and did i pick up that right yeah 100 um, it's, it's um i like that he's nodding his head yes by the way if you're listening to this audio i'm getting the nod i think he's excited um right it's it, marco de talks about this and this is a story one of my favorite stories he's got a really great i don't know if you know marco de mm. or not you should go find him on linkedin Legend. he's got a really good story of a one-year build like from zero to millions of dollars and how he did it and one of the many steps he's got outlined in his roadmap is like his second hire was his first hire actually behind himself was partner operations um, I've harped on that I think that's critical I don't think people talk about it enough so again that's why I'm here it's what I do I agree with you I'll say that I think it's early stage and what I tend to see is that program program people tend to be operations people by default because you don't have dedicated operations support so if you if you're trying to hire a strong programs person you do need to vet that operational background um, conversely like I don't, I don't really have a program background. That's kind of what makes mm -hmm. me a weird fish in some of this water. Sometimes is I'm, I'm in operations. I come through business operations, and my tendency, my mental leanings are more towards system operations than revenue operations. I know I got a good friend in the industry. She loves the RevOps side. She loves being deep in the RevOps side, building out that stuff, structuring it. I'm happy to advise and consult and help RevOps know what they need to do and where to focus. But I, I'm more concerned, probably for me on the experience end, on the systems end, working with business systems for project management, PMO, driving change, which one of those two focuses, right? And I could probably do both. I'm just honestly less interested in the, in the nuance of revenue. I think mainly because you end up always fighting with direct, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to fight with direct. Direct wins. This, this would be really fair. Yeah. If you've got a conflict between direct needs and partnership needs, in a non-partner driven organization, 100%. direct wins and partnership kind of has to make up. I mean, so all that to say, when you talk about the structure, I love that you're saying, hey, ops needs to be early in stage. Are you putting that into the program team, like a part of the partnership team? Do you think that role needs to live under RevOps or under business systems or business operations? Do you care? And <laughs> maybe you don't even care as long as they're there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they permeate almost the, the whole, um, life cycle journey, buyer's journey, built on that structure. I, I'm, a, I'm a leader who's driven by structure and strategy. Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, you need, um, it's, it's a necessity. It's not something that is a, a luxury, in my opinion. We have thousands of hardworking teams of one partner professionals out there who we all know and love, um, who do a great job and wear all of the hats. Um, uh, but I think when you get to a point uh, where um, it's, it's, it's probably org size dependent, then it's, you, have to, mm -hmm. uh, you have to make sure that you're delegating um, those, those issues and those challenges 
uh, and the things that not necessarily go right, but the things that go wrong. You want to be um, concentrating on building those relationships with those partners because that's what drives um, that trust and that relationship um, uh, structure forward rather than being so transactional. It needs to be relationship driven. And um, I mm -hmm. think off the back of that, you need to be focusing on making sure that that is the, the priority um, where then partner ops comes off the back of that. Who do they report directly to? Um, I have a couple of um, controversial <laughs> opinions about that, um, even just down to the partner managers. I don't think partner managers should um, uh, report to um, CROs, for example, whereas many people do, uh, because I just don't believe that the, the uh, you can hang a partnership framework onto a CRO strategy. Um, I think it's. I think they need to be a director report mm. CEO, and I think they need to be there at the table because it is such an umbrella um, uh, solution and motion. That, um, and I think from a, a partner op side of things, I think they're almost exactly the same. I think they, you know, they permeate so many different rumblings and, you know, um, and strategy and structure that. Um, underpins the foundations of every successful partner program and pretty much every successful partner program I've seen Aaron, um, has had a partner ops uh, team underneath or behind or in front or around um, a partner program um, which then allows those partner professionals um, to attract uh, those all important leaves to um, drive those results that C-suite are looking for. Yeah, I think you did say you said it's a little bit controversial. I think you're you're not wrong on like what you mentioned. You're comment about the CRO, right? I am seeing that trend in terms of conversations we have. Um, partner people are, and it's a big it's a big question right now. Is the partnership leader a C level role? Is it a head of partnerships, uh, is a chief partnership officer, whatever you want to call it? Um, I've worked in again with the, the size of the organization I've worked in. I, I try not to get too wrapped up in in like you know who's the who's the boss who's the not. You could talk about hierarchies and how that influences narrative sure. development all day long. When I think about partnerships, I am I'm shifting in my mindset a little bit on kind of the other way toward the idea, like recognizing that partnerships are part of the go-to market rhythm, right? That's where I think the programs come in as incentives. So we have incentive structured programs that drive partner behavior that reward partners. But I do think there's maybe room for the relationship aspect that's non-sales oriented, right? We're keeping the partner happy. How do we comp those people on performance? What's the purpose of partnerships? Um, and that I, I see partnerships roll up in different ways, right? The PAMs that I work with um, historically have been really deep on the sales end of the partner relationship. So they bring in a, a new integration partner to actually come in and build out an integration. Mm -hmm. And they could great, they pass that piece off to the product team. So the product now has partner relationship management responsibilities that are getting the product up and running, make sure the integration step. And the PAM may not think about that. That may be, you know, once they get connected, the PAM's gonna move on. And that's where I come in and look at that's a space for me, I feel like as an ops professional to come in and say, hey, let's make sure that project is running good. So if I'm looking at like the partner operations side, um, and we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes because I know you've got a hard stop and I've got a hard stop. Sure. If I look at the partner operations side, I, I want to just a couple things here is that you mentioned they should be an early hire. It almost sounds like, um, and this is just me reading between the lines, if you're going to begin a new program, I don't know why we talk about this so much because there's a lot of existing programs that don't even have operations. But if you're bringing in an operations person, that first hire, 
Um, would you rather that person be project focused or like avenue, like, like again, partner ops, rev ops, or do you think that really just depends on the needs of the specific business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think you've got two, two verticals here when you talk about that. We're talking about uh, strategy and vision, and we're talking about implementation. And I think mm -hmm. that we both need to lead to a partner-first strategy. Um, that's where that road should lead at, at, in every stage. Um, the, 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 the strategy and the vision side of things is very much, you know, again, mapping the levers, joining the dots, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas the implementation side of things is is very much heavily a partner operations role. Um, and in my um, in my experience, you have to tie those together or you don't have the experience that you're looking for. You know, I mean, ultimately, mm -hmm. partnership professionals, um, you're looking to provide your partners with net new conversations and net new customers, simple as that, um, provided to them via either two main processes, which are resources and relationships. Now, you think after you said that, you think, well, where does partner operations fit into all of this? Well, you can't drive those initiatives and you can't drive those emotions without having uh, an operational structure around you um, that when you do board and these new clients and customers and leads via your relationships and your mm -hmm. resources that you provide to them um you just you just won't have the uh, the the bandwidth especially if you've got quota to fill um to be able to adequately concentrate on uh, on those uh, those vitally important aspects uh, and yeah partner operations is at the middle of that you know values aren't a commodity you know we have to make sure that <clears throat> that basic business is being done results are being won um and partnerships at the end of the day are are their people led they are tech enabled and then they're revenue focused in a nutshell um and i think if you don't yep. have the instructional foundations from a partner ops point of view, the thing that you do actually miss out on is probably two out of those three being people driven and tech enabled. Um, mm -hmm. Then you don't lead, that doesn't lead you down the path of results. Uh, and yeah, um, if you don't align, create, engage and support on that partnership journey, which partners are, and essentially you're treating partners as part of your team, operations have to be part of your team or not at all. Yeah, man, Lincoln, I've got so many more things I think we could get into from this conversation that we haven't gotten into because you've mentioned like uh, the tech enabled, right? So that, that, that whole, whole like another hour we could probably chat around like what do you think is happening in partner tech? What's your favorite partner tech? What platforms mm -hmm. are you preferring for kind of how you execute programs? Sure. I think ISVs as, because they, like, again, like, it's a broad swath of things that we could talk about. So thank you for giving me this half hour. I do really appreciate the insight on where you see the role fitting, um, mainly because I think for what I'm looking at for my own career, but also for the career of the people that I'm in community with around partner operations, there's just no roadmap right now. My boss asked me a few weeks ago, where do you want to be in yeah. five years? I'm like, that depends on the story that we get to tell here. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, it's like, it, it really does. Um, so working on the projects, working on a good story for myself, and then also helping, helping others think about where this fits. Um, okay. So in a week you're launching, uh, let's wrap up super quick here. Sure. Where can people find you if they want to reach out, ask you more questions? I know you're on LinkedIn. We can look you up on there. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Where else, uh, you know, what are you, what are you looking for in terms of like 
conversations and wanting to help people with? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm concentrating on the, the B2B uh, SaaS scale-up space. Um, I've been in the SaaS industry, as you know, for the last three years, building a, a successful partner program. Um, you can find me at Aris consultants.com that's a-r-y-s consultants.com um and yeah active on linkedin and um yeah i'm essentially uh, narrowed down uh, a version two of my offers i've had a soft opening i'm now hard opening and uh, pulling the trigger on the program and uh yeah doing various consulting assessments workshops exactly. courses one-to-one partner training uh etc etc so yeah really excited really looking forward to it super scared but uh, we're gonna get there yeah, well, that means you may be doing something right, right? I like always like the challenges to feel a little bit bigger than me, and I think launching on your own is uh, always a little challenging. It's yeah, absolutely. Scary. Lincoln, yeah, I'd, I'd probably thank you up. for joining. Uh, listen, sorry, uh, I'm going to wrap us up real quick, uh, folks. It, I'll, I'll have show notes. I'll have uh, some links to, to Lincoln stuff in the in the show notes as well. If you want to follow up, please reach out to Lincoln. He's good for a follow. He's really good for engagement. I mean, we've been we've been connected a few months, and uh, it's been a it's been good learning experience. I think I think that's what I like the most about being in partnerships is always opportunity to learn. Um, as we get ready for another week, folks, uh, I was always thank you for listening. Please share. Please subscribe. Um, let me know if we can do anything better. Um, until we talk next time, guys. Good luck partnering.